What's up, creepy cats? Welcome to Ew, That's Creepy podcast. This week, the twins are talking about haunted college campuses, starting with Pennsylvania State University. Penn State has numerous buildings on campus that are reported to be haunted, including the location of an unsolved murder. Please be aware that this episode will discuss a violent attack, sexual encounters, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to You That's Creepy. Jackie and I are here today with a new theme for you guys, and we're going to switch it up from our crime four episodes that we had. We've been doing a lot of crime lately, so we figured that let's talk about some ghosts. Ooh, spooky, 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 spooky. I feel like we have done a lot of crime, but I also feel like there's just more crime stories. Always, because... I mean, but they... It's not that there's more. There's more information on crime stories. Yeah, of course, because obviously you can't really prove paranormal activity. And even if you could, there are always going to be skeptics who are trying to disprove it. You all know how that goes. But we still like to sprinkle in the paranormal. Love it. Love it. Give you guys a taste. So today, Jackie and I decided that we, well, this week, we're going to talk about drumroll pause for dramatic effect. Cricket. Cricket. (laughs) Thank you. We're going to be talking about haunted college campuses. I love that theme. It just feels like aesthetically pleasing. I don't know, like a movie or a book. Yeah. And if you guys listened to our episodes earlier in 2022, our stories where Jackie and I each told a story, you'll know that we actually have a little history with a haunted college experience. Ooh. Yeah, just a little slight thing. So go listen to that if you guys want to hear our personal story. And if you guys have ones from college, you better tell us. You better DM us on Instagram or I'll be upset. Yeah, or send us an email at you that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Send it. (laughs) So, I am going to start by telling Jackie about the haunted Penn State University. PSU, baby. Yep, you guys know it. I know they do some, like, victory screech type thing. I meant to watch a video on that and prepare that for you guys, but I just didn't have the time, so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Darn. I know. We've been there. We've never actually been, like, around the school or anything, but we've been there. I don't remember going there. Soccer. Let me let this child fucking skate by. Don't fall off your scooter. Perish in front of my eyes. It's a horrible thing to say. On the podcast. <laughs> On this episode, we watch a child perish in front of our eyes. And we narrate. <gasps> Look, a cat walking off the sidewalk. Oh my god. Oh my fucking god. It has a collar on. It does, and it's fat as fuck. Like, it's huge. Oh, my God. It's going in the park. Oh. I better watch out for doggos. Someone say hi to it. Yeah, like, what the hell? No one's going to acknowledge the fact that it's just... It's literally still oh walking God. through the park. It's... Oh. It's walking towards those kiddos. 
Oh, they better watch out. Oh my god! What? I can't see it now. They walked right up to those people. It has to be theirs. What? That would be crazy. It's literally just standing... Oh my god, she's petting it. Keep petting it, you dumb bitch. They probably live local and it probably walked over. Oh my god, it's so cute. That was funny. Okay, so I will just give a really brief history of Penn State for all our international listeners. It is, um, it's huge. It's very popular. Everyone has an opinion about it, but, um, I'll just give a little, a little sentence. So this is a straight from the Penn State website, quote, as Pennsylvania's only land grant university, Penn State has a broad mission of teaching, research, and public service. But that mission was not so grandly conceived in 1855 when the Commonwealth chartered it as one of the nation's first colleges of agricultural science with a goal to apply scientific principles to farming, end quote. Hmm. So this college has been around for so long, hence a lot of the ghost activity. Um, and yeah, it's a great college. They have undergraduate programs, graduate online degrees, law schools, medical school, a ton. All and the things. All the college things. They also have a lot of famous people who have gone there. Let me just name a couple. Key from Key and Peel. That was my last one, but yeah. I already knew it. <laughs> Our personal favorite. We freaking love Key and Peel. I was just watching that before this. Fucking love them so much. Same. So yeah, Key and Michael Key went to Penn State Adam McKay, a writer um, who worked on Step Brothers and really? Anchorman. Wow. Mark Parker, president and CEO of Nike. Laura Spencer, co-host of Good Morning America. And John Aniston, father of Jennifer Aniston and an actor on Days of Our Lives. And, and that's that. just a couple. There, I'll link my article below, but there is like 25 different celebrities who went there. That is pretty impressive. Very so let it just get right into the ghost stories. If you guys want to read more about Penn State's history, you guys can read it online. I just, like I said, it's huge. They have a bunch of different campuses and their main campus is so big. You would think it's a small school district with like a middle high school and elementary school. It's so large. And let me say, trigger warning, the first thing I'm going to talk about is actually an unsolved murder that happened at Penn State that people believe plays into some paranormal activity. What? Oh my god, we're getting crime and paranormal. Both of it. I just had to include this one because first, I could not believe that I'd never heard the story and I wasn't familiar with it. Is it about someone who went missing on Halloween? No. <sighs> No, this one is crazy. That's, that's why another I wanted, one. That's why I wanted to include it. And a lot of articles I read said that people who go to Penn State now don't even know that this happened. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And so if you guys don't want to hear about this, like skip 10 minutes because it might be, this is going to be a little bit long, but it's important to the paranormal activity that happens there. So this is obviously the most notorious ghost story as well. And it occurred in 1969 with a young 22-year-old student named Betsy, Betsy Ardsma. 
She was from Michigan originally, but she was going to Penn State and living on campus. When the crime occurred, it was the week of Thanksgiving, so a lot of students were at home with their families. Betsy had actually been with her boyfriend's family, but Betsy returned to campus early so she could finish up an assignment. On November 28th, 1969, Betsy and her roommate Sharon were heading towards the library. I believe that they were both going to study and do something for a bit, and then they were going to meet back up and watch a movie after their studying. And Betsy went into the library. There weren't a lot of people there, obviously, because mostly everyone is home for Thanksgiving break. But there were still a couple students. It wasn't just empty, and she was the only person in there. At around 4.45 p.m., other library guests heard the sounds of books falling from the back of the library stacks. A lot of people at Penn State would just nickname this area the stacks, because clearly. And when the other students went back to check, they actually found Betsy underneath a pile of books in aisle 51. Campus security came as well as police and an ambulance, but when they arrived, there wasn't blood on the scene and Betsy was kind of just underneath the books and some had fallen off. And people really just thought that she had a seizure or fainted for whatever reason and knocked some of the books off. Yeah, like fell and hit her head against the books. Exactly. I see it. There was also an unknown liquid in the area that wasn't blood. And so police just really, not police at first, the students were just really confused. And when they removed Betsy from the scene, so a security guard and people um, from Penn State came and they sent Betsy to the hospital on campus because there was a medical center and stuff like that. Um, by the time that Betsy got to a, to see a physician, she was declared dead at 5.19 p.m. Holy crap. So that was only about a little over a half hour from when the books were falling that someone, a physician, was able to pronounce her dead. It was really shocking to everyone. State troopers, when they found out that she was dead, they asked campus security. Um, they came back and they were asking campus security to clear off the scene and close out the scene and everything like that. And sadly, people had already begun cleaning up aisle 51. So like half of it was cleaned up. And it that is the biggest reason I think why this is unsolved. Even though it was in 1969, they could have preserved DNA and things like that. But they were mopping up what was there, putting the books back on the shelves. The autopsy confirmed that Betsy had been stabbed once in the left breast, which pierced her pulmonary artery. This is so sad. Trigger warnings, everyone. Unfortunately, blood filled Betsy's lungs so quickly that she could not scream for help. And that's why they just heard her fall and they didn't hear a commotion. And that also explained why there was not blood on the books or scattered throughout the scene because the bleeding was more internal. And I do believe in one article that she had on a turtleneck sweater that was red and then a dress over top of it. So she had on a good amount of clothing as well. So similarly to what I said with them cleaning up the scene, 
Police also really lost valuable time questioning witnesses and people around campus. They were able to question other students who had been in the library, and they did get some really important information. There were two witnesses, two students who were in the library close to the stacks, and the students reported that a man who looks like another student ran from the library stacks exclaiming, that girl needs help. And they were like, what are you talking about? What girl? And the man actually showed the two students where Betsy had been slumped over. He guided them back, pointed, and then when they realized that something was seriously wrong with Betsy, the man ran out of the library. That's very strange. The one student actually raced after him, but he had ran so fast. And, you know, it's just like chaos and confusion happening. So that person did get away. The one student did work with the police to have a composite sketch drawn and a description of this man. He did look to be in his early 20s and was a student, potentially. There was a witness who said that they saw Betsy about 10 to 15 minutes before her murder looking through a stack of books like usual. And this witness said that they noticed two young men speaking quietly in the stacks directly across from Betsy. But the witness said that the men were whispering. It didn't seem like anything out of the ordinary, and they didn't think, looking back on it, that it seemed suspicious. Both the man running from the library and the two who were whispering were never identified, And it's pretty obvious that most people think the man running from the library and the one who said that girl needs help was the murderer. Now, this part, I was just like, ew, that's disgusting. Police brought in a black light device that could highlight bodily fluid because they just, the scene had been cleaned up. They wanted to figure out what the hell was going on. And when they brought in the black light and lit, they put it on aisle 51. They said that aisle 51 lit up. They found out that the unknown liquid was confirmed to be urine from Betsy due to the trauma that happened just so quickly and unexpectedly. That's so sad. The blacklight seemed promising at first because like they said, the aisle lit up and they discovered that there was quite a lot of semen in the aisle. What? Detectives realized that the semen, though, was from a bunch of different periods. Some of it was, like, very old, could have been years old. Others were new. Bro. At first, police were like, yeah, okay, this could be something. But then detectives soon realized that this area of the stacks was known to hide pornographic magazines and be a spot for sexual trysts between students. They're just coming in the aisles? Like, literally, people would... I mean, it's the late 60s. I think it was just one of those things where, yeah, people would either... (laughs) People would either masturbate to the pornographic magazines back there and, I guess, just not give a shit about cleaning it up. Or they would have sexual encounters. I know. Could you even imagine? (laughs) That's what I said. I was reading this and I was like, ew, what the fuck? Imagine going back there and it lights up. Yeah, you're going to get a book and there's just like something white on it. Like you wouldn't. And then it's like they go and they're looking and they're probably like, oh, wow, this could really be something. And then they're like, no, this is actually years of jizz from students having sexual trysts back here. Slow back away out of the aisle. Yeah. Homer Simpson into the. (laughs) Yeah. Until the next aisle. Really gross. But 
The medical examiner, examiner also told police that Bessie didn't have signs of sexual assault. So basically, yeah, all the ejaculate you just found is not relevant to this case. Yeah, I feel like that would have happened. Like, I don't know. But this that would have taken a little more time. Yeah, exactly. But this is interesting. Police did have a theory with zero evidence, but a theory that perhaps Bessie stumbled upon a homosexual encounter. Perhaps one of the men involved recognized her, that she recognized him, and maybe they stabbed her to prevent her from telling anyone what was going on because at the time, a homosexual encounter would get you kicked off campus. It was still very serious. But there was never any evidence of that. I did think that in some articles I read, I swear there was an article saying that a desk very close to the stacks had a pornographic magazine that was homosexual in nature. I think it had a cup or something. It basically was a desk that someone thought maybe the person had been sitting there looking at a (laughs) pornographic magazine before Or, you know, detectives also thought maybe it was someone who was sexually deviant who went back in the stacks to masturbate or someone who was... (laughs) (laughs) Masturbate. I'm I'm not trying to laugh, like, because it isn't funny. It's just crazy because things are so different nowadays. It's just like, Mm -hmm. it is kind of wild thinking about that. I know. It is that... And it's, that is just another reason why this case was unsolved. All of the circumstances put together just made it really hard to narrow down what, if there was DNA or any type of evidence, who it belonged to. And to me, all of the theories regarding a homosexual encounter or someone who was maybe sexually deviant and she stumbled upon them, that doesn't seem to fit because even if this was a little meetup place for people, it's 4.45 p.m. on a, like, right around Thanksgiving. Maybe people thought this was the perfect time, but I don't know. If I'm going to have a sexual tryst, I'm not going to do it at 5 o'clock when there was a lot of other people in the library. Yeah. But I don't know, because then again, there were a lot of other people in the library, and this was still unsolved. The one thing of importance that police found at the scene, after it was cleaned and everything, was small drops of blood that looked like someone had flicked it from their fingertips. The blood was confirmed to be Betsy's, so it seemed that someone had stabbed her and then tried to, like, flick the blood off their hand or off their fingers, and that splattered around slightly. At the time, this was a huge investigation. Obviously, any student who's murdered on campus would be huge. There were 30 to 40 state troopers who worked on the case, and they did investigate leads from Penn State and Michigan, where Betsy was from. Her boyfriend was definitely taken off the list. It wasn't her boyfriend. State troopers and detectives thought, though, that... Was her boyfriend, like, there? Still at school? No. Okay. He stayed with his family, and she went back to campus, and it's so sad. I believe she wrote him a letter or something when she got back, and I think he got it the day after he learned that she died. Oh my god, I really couldn't even imagine that. And when they buried her, she was buried with one single rose that her boyfriend put on top. I know, I'm tearing up. Okay. And it's just so sad, like, young love and just taken away that fast, but... That's the type of thing that it's like, that can 
ruin your life, honestly. When you're that young and you have something that traumatic happen to you, that and can really, like, change your whole life, the whole dynamic of where you go from there. Especially in the late 60s when men were 110% the protector. I'm sure yeah. he was like, I should have been there, but... So, on one hand, police and state troopers did think that Betsy knew this person because it's just so random for it to happen. So, the common theory instilled to this day is that Betsy denied someone romantically and that they had attacked her because of this. Oh, let me throw this in there. There was one rumor that it could have potentially been Ted Bundy because he was studying at Temple University near Philadelphia at this time. The sketch showed a man in glasses with slightly curled hair. It could have fit. but there's That's no- wild, but Philadelphia is not close to Penn State like that. And there's no confirmation of this. And Ted Bundy, I feel like, probably would have said it, but... Yeah, that's pretty crazy, though. Yeah. Now, there is one person, as a lot of older cases go, I would say... 75% of people who look into this case believe that it was this one individual. He was also a student. There's even two books that were written about this individual saying that he 110% was the killer, but I don't want to put his name out there. I don't think he's alive, but I don't want to put his name out there because it's not confirmed. Nothing. Yeah, that's harsh. Yeah, and I don't want to be like, oh, it's this person and things like that. If you guys want to look it up, you guys can. The name is out there. I just don't feel comfortable sharing that name to the public when it wasn't confirmed. Yeah, they could have family and stuff. And in some of the articles, state troopers say that he never was a serious suspect. Others say that he was and they just couldn't book him. It Basically, he was another student who acted strangely before and after. He had very strange tendencies. He had girlfriends who had reported that he would be ridiculously wanting to... He would try so hard to get girls to be his girlfriend. And it's sad because basically everyone said he was a closeted homosexual. So a lot of his erratic behavior would kind of be to get girls to date him to put on this front that he was straight and things like that. He, this person was known to have a friendship with Betsy. Some say they dated and either way, Betsy in the week before her death cut off contact with this person because she wanted to be committed to her boyfriend and she didn't feel that the friendship she had with this person was appropriate. This individual did look like the sketch, not 110%. He always said he had an alibi, and at first it was confirmed. Then in later years, people come forward saying that the times weren't right, things weren't 100%. There was someone who came forward 20-some years later saying that they heard an argument between this individual and his mother where where the individual's mother basically said you covered this up and I know you killed her and things like that. So there are a lot of people, like I said, who believe that this other student who she denied a romantic relationship with had done this, but it was never confirmed. And still to this day, even after this happened in 1969, still to this day, it is unsolved. Betsy's family lo- no longer speaks about the case publicly. They've decided to move on with their lives, which is really sad. That is sad. 
and anyone with information regarding this case is asked to call the Pennsylvania State Police. Now, after all of that, obviously, a lot of people say that those stacks are potentially haunted. Students say that there are cold spots in the library stacks for unexplained reasons, and some even reported that they see books and other objects being moved around. Apparently, there have been full-body apparitions, and I believe that someone even said that there was something moving around the shelves that they knew wasn't a student, so kind of just seeing figures in the stacks. One female student even reported feeling hands grip the sides of her neck. Now, whether it's true or not, students have also reported to even see the ghost of Betsy in the stacks. Stop it right now. I know. And it's so hard because I don't know if that's... That's the last thing I want to think of is her apparition manifesting there. I know. Like, let's do a seance and let's have poor Patsy move on and experience heaven or something because that's just sad. But then again, people love to make things up when there's an unsolved murder and things like that. So I don't know if someone fully saw an apparition of Betsy or what. But a lot of people say that the energy in the stacks is just bad. Bad, bad, bad. Now, another part of Penn State that is very haunted, this is probably the most second notorious spot besides the stacks, is Runkle Hall. (laughs) I know. Funny name. (laughs) The legends about Runkle Hall, it literally sounds like the conjuring goes to college. No. The first report, it started in the 90s when an RA reported that a consistent loud banging sound had awoken them. Before they knew it, the bed had actually started to move around beneath them, and the RA ran out of the room screaming they were so scared. Another RA, I believe shortly before that, had reported the same activity banging on the walls that was unexplainable, getting louder, and then the bed would start moving. The RA also reported hearing voices in the room and seeing their lights flickering around. Residents of Runkle Hall have seen fans turning on and off on their own, objects moving on their own or even flying across the room, doors locking, then opening on their own, and even furniture moving around. That is like the conjuring. Something about furniture moving around or it scares the hell out of me when someone leaves the room for one second and they come back and something is gone. Like, oh, that just scares me so bad. I know. I just want to see it actually happen, but like no one ever does. Why would you want to see that actually happen? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It says everyone until they see something actually happen. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. In the 90s, they actually brought a Ouija board in to Runkle Hall to learn more about the spirits. That's always the best thing to do. Nice. (laughs) The Ouija board claimed that there were 11 different spirits currently residing in Runkle Hall. Cool. One spirit even reportedly communicated in Spanish, and a student claimed that their TV would always switch to Spanish when they didn't speak it and their roommate didn't speak it. So Wow, they, that's crazy. Yeah, so they really believe that they had proof on multiple levels that there was a Spanish-speaking ghost in Runkle. Finally, one student even claimed to see an old woman sitting in a chair. Ooh, I don't like that one. Very creepy. 
next spot on our tour, <laughs> Atherton's Grave slash the Schwab Auditorium, which is on East Pollock Road. And this one also goes back to the old history of Penn State. Um, George Atherton, he was the former Penn State president from 1882 until his death in 1906. George Atherton is accredited for adding additional studies. He did a lot of stuff with engineering. George got a lot of funding from the state for the college. He basically was very influential in getting the college to be the amazing university it is today. I'm not sure if this was his choice, but when George Atherton passed away in 1906, he was buried on the Penn State campus next to the Schwab Auditorium on East Pollock Road. Students and visitors claim to feel his spirit when they stand at the grave or getting icy chill, but they also believe that George Atherton is frequently seen in the Schwab Auditorium where he was buried next to and that building is known to be haunted by three ghosts. <laughs> cool. George Atherton is one. The building was named after Charles Schwab, not Charles Schwab, like the financial app, the investment app. <laughs> Charles Schwab was an industrial tycoon and a steel magnate in the late 1800s to early 1900s. So that's who it's named after. And people believe that his ghost is also there. I guess chillin' and killin' with George Atherton. Did he go there? Or it's just like they named it after him because he's like a tycoon? I believe it was just named after him because okay. I don't think... I believe... Because he was a steel magnate in the late 1800s into early 90s, I believe he would have been too old. Oh, duh. <laughs> no, right. it's not duh. I should have triple-checked that. It's like stuff being named after Carnegie. Yeah, exactly. So they named it after him, but people do believe that they see George Atherton's ghost and Charles Schwab's ghost in the Schwab Auditorium. There have also been reports of seeing a janitor, a young boy, a female, and then the last ghost that people have seen, I think on numerous occasions, is a man dressed as a revolutionary soldier. So either he could be a revolutionary soldier or because it's an auditorium, maybe someone dressed as a soldier. <laughs> That'd be pretty crazy. The show must go on, baby. Right? They're performing. Workers who have been in the auditorium after hours reported to hear footsteps in empty rooms and soft voices talking amongst each other that were not workers who were there. They have also said that theater seats will go down on their own as if someone came and sat down, but no one is in the auditorium at the time. I would be so scared if I saw that. Yeah, safe to say no one's jumping at the chance to do, like, work in the auditorium at night. No. Next up, the old Botany Building purpose of this building is pretty self-explanatory. It was an old building used for botanical studies. <laughs> that sounds cool, though. I'll put pictures of this. I believe there are pictures in some of the articles. This place looks so freaking cool when it was back in the day. They had flowers and greenery that was put in letters of the school's war cry. Oh, that's cool. It was so cute. They had a giant greenhouse and stuff like that. It was honestly, it looked so awesome back in the day. Now, the greenhouse is no longer there because it's no longer 
actually used for botanical studies. It's very, very old. Most students just walk by it when they're going to the library or it's directly across from the Schwab Auditorium. So it's kind of just one of those things that people walk by and look at it. Legend has it, though, that the old botany building is haunted by the ghost of Francis Atherton, who was married to university president George Atherton. Students say that the apparition of a woman can be seen at times peeking out from behind an upstairs window, looking down or across the street to the auditorium, and many believe that Frances is looking after her husband's grave from the upstairs window because he was buried across at Schwab Auditorium. That's nice of her. I know. Tragic, but touching. (laughs) Love never dies. (laughs) Tragic, but tender moments. Mm Mm-hmm. There are other reports of violent ghosts who get upset when people are in the botany building after hours. Apparently, witnesses have seen the carpets roll up by themselves and even heard unexplained sounds of glass breaking. Like, is it good if the ghost rolls up the carpet by itself? Because on one hand, if you were about to do it, then you wouldn't have to. Or is that, it's like telling you it's your time to get out? Yeah, I don't know. And I'm like, but what if, like, you needed the carpet to be down? What if you kept trying to vacuum it? Not anymore. (laughs) Kind of funny. Kind of not. (laughs) Next is the ghost walk. Not haunted at all by the name. (laughs) I was going to say, hmm. Yeah, just when you thought Penn State couldn't get any creepier, there's an old creepy path known as the ghost walk. Now, the original trail that people made the ghost walk based around isn't there, but it would have went from the old botany building to the northern section of campus Basically, it was this trail that was lined by spruce trees and was all dark and creepy. Rumors spread in the 1800s that a student froze to death after after trying to walk through the trail, but got lost in a winter storm and couldn't find his way out. That's terrifying. I know. Imagine freaking dying on college campus, like just trying to get to, get to your to- room. A nightmare. I feel so bad for that person. Yeah. Students now believe that the spirit of that deceased student haunts the patch of the woods, still trying to find their way out. The trail itself was removed when the Burroughs building was built, along with the spruce trees, but students still believe that the paranormal activity and the energy exists in this area. Apparitions are seen throughout the trail, and students report to hear strange, unexplained sounds when they're walking through it. And now, finally, we are at the end, but we're on my personal favorite ghost, uh, the spirit of a mule named Old Coley. Oh, I wouldn't mind this one. Yeah, I figured I'd end on a good note. Old Coley was a pack... (laughs) (laughs) That's cute, too. I know. Old Coley was a pack mule that had been used during the construction of the old main building around 1857. Wow. Once the job was finished, the campus loved the mule so much that Penn State bought the little guy and let him live on the campus farm. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. And I swear they said he was over $100, which back then was oh. very expensive. <laughs> they dropped a bag for him. Yeah, like they paid his tuition. Old Coley is a student. <laughs> In the 1800s, Old Coley was even considered the unofficial mascot of Penn State. 
I love that. Just eating him up. <laughs> they are. <laughs> they really are the main character. He is. After 30 years of living on campus <laughs> and being an absolute legend, just an icon, a being war a horse. phenom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Old Coley passed away. Oh, tragic. For some reason, the campus decided. Can't even say this. To keep his skeleton and let it be displayed around campus throughout the years. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I really don't know why. Maybe because, like, the campus is really into medical study- studies and botany and things like that. Like, on one hand, I do get it. And it is cool to see this entire skeleton. They have it arranged in the way of, you know, like when you go to a museum and you see where dinosaurs yeah. would be. They have it like that. That so is pretty cool. It is cool. However, oh, it's haunted. Old Coley has been moved around a lot throughout different areas as they expand the campus and things like that. But it seems like every time Old Coley's skeleton is somewhere, students report hearing strange sounds, specifically the sounds of hooves walking down the <laughs> hall, some ghostly neighs, and. It's just weird because it's been reported in the areas where he's moved, and one student even claimed that they saw the apparition of old Coley down the hall. All right. Are they sure he's not just moving himself? I don't know, but old Coley's skeleton now resides in the Hub Robeson Center, which is like the student center at Penn State. I'm not sure if there have been any hauntings reported because I think he used to be in dorm rooms and things like that and people at night would hear him (laughs) (laughs) just getting a midnight snack and drink. Don't mind him. Let him go. Yeah. But, um, yeah, now he's in the hub ropes and center. So someone let me know if old Coley is still roaming around at night. What I would guys, love to know. What do you think about that? Do you think animals can be ghosts? Yeah. I think so, too. I mean, if they have a soul and a spirit like humans do, I don't see why not. But I'm like, old Coley, can you go find that student who apparently froze to death in the woods? And <laughs> True. Him? He's like, um, no, that's not my part of campus. <laughs> no, honey, I will not. He's like, I'm in the hub center. Yeah, I will stay on my side of campus. Thank you. Yeah, now I will point out, there are historians who debate that a student ever froze to death. But every single article notes it. So, I don't know. Who's to say? So, I figured I'd say it. (laughs) Yeah, but facts. Old Coley was alive. He was there. (laughs) We have the skeleton to prove it. Good. Good. Whether he hooves around at night or not, that is up to you. You can decide that one. Yeah, but that is the ghosts, the hauntings of Penn State University. There were more, like, there were honestly a couple other places, but these ones were the main ones because, you know, some of them are just, they see apparitions and things like that. These These are the main characters on campus. (laughs) Yeah, these are the main players where basically everyone says they're haunted and just that... Just Betsy getting killed in the library is so tragic. I wasn't ready for all that. And Jackie and I know, I would say, at least five people who have gone to Penn State, and not a single person has ever mentioned that to me. I read a lot of Pennsylvania true crime and things like that, and I have never, ever once seen that there was an unsolved murder. Me either. 
I'm pretty surprised because I do know there's a somewhat famous case of a girl, I think, in the early 2000s who went missing after a Halloween party. Yeah, wasn't, I believe she was, like, Vietnamese. Yeah. And she dressed as a bunny. Something like that. She was really pretty. I listened to that on, and that's why we drank, and I think there was a show about it or something, but yeah, that one is sad. Yeah, the fact that that's unsolved, too. Yeah, but it's just crazy that it was on campus in the library and he ran out. And the thing I kept thinking to myself was, if he was this student who people say that Betsy had cut off, couldn't they just show a picture of him to the two witnesses who saw the man and who actually, face to face, he said, go help that girl back there? That's a good point. Now, I mean, maybe they did and... I don't know. The investigation was so scrambled, too, from everything happening. It's just sad. And it very, very well could be that individual 110%. At the same time, it could have been someone totally random who escaped in the chaos because of everything. But let me know what you guys think. If you guys have heard that, if you guys have heard about, you know, any of the ghosts... If you guys have went there and have experiences, let us know. Yeah, definitely let us know. That one was a really fun one to research. I loved hearing all the ghost stories and things like that. And if you guys don't know, there was a ghost show. um, Paranormal State. Paranormal State. That one started at Penn State. And I just feel like the whole area is kind of creepy. I love that. And I like that story a lot. Thank you. Happy Valley. Like, that's ironic. <laughs> right, scary valley. <laughs> I know, I just thought of that. But that is part one of our haunted campuses. And next time, Jackie will be telling us about another college campus, university that has been known for paranormal activity. Yes, I will. Get your PhD in paranormal. Yeah, <laughs> I will. I'll uh, educate you guys next time. Can't wait. Classes in session, bitches. <laughs> it will be. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Ooh, That's Creepy, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at Ooh, That's Creepy Podcast, or send us an email at Ooh, That's Creepy Podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, Creepy Cats.